friends, and welcome to the Mere C.S. Lewis Podcast. My name is Thornton. And my name is Taylor. We're two brothers who enjoy C.S. Lewis, and we want to take ourselves and others on a journey through his writings. Well, how are you doing, brother I'm man? doing all right. I'm getting by okay, yeah. the normal business, but not too bad. How about you with what your new job? Oh, yep. Yeah, my new job is going well, easing into it, and it is, uh, yeah, it's different, uh, or it's interesting seeing the differences between, I guess, the, the, the army and uh, the civilian right. life. Uh, things are, in the civilian life, are a little bit, are much more methodical, much more deliberate, um, much more, or a little bit slower pace. Mm-hmm. Um which I, I appreciate after, after the the hurry up and wait and the go 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 uh, of the right. military, right? But yeah, so I, yeah, I'm really enjoying. I'm really enjoying working from home. Oh, let me tell you an embarrassing story from one of my uh, my first couple weeks at work. Okay, gotcha. The yeah, so I was try, I was trying to ask a. I asked a question of my boss and just trying to figure out like if I needed to, to do something or not. And I, I was also, I was asking for myself, but also asking for some of my fellow coworkers because uh, they, they didn't know either. Um, and so I got the answer and I was texting who I thought were my coworkers who were also one of the information and I accidentally like blasted it to the entire organization. Oh um, no! Yeah, like thankfully, like the information was like, I guess innocuous. It was just one of those, I don't know, just one of those like random things that you just need to know before you finish up for the day. Right. Um, but I just just getting used to the technology. I thought I had, I thought I had uh, crafted it so like only those like other co-workers I, I intended it to go to we did yeah. it but no i i accidentally sent it to everyone <laughs> that <laughs> a little introduction to everybody hey I'm yeah it's like hello everyone i'm new here <laughs> obviously <laughs> that's funny oh and i guess in lewis news i saw on twitter that a church in yorkshire was putting up uh, some Narnia statues. Oh, is that right? Where was this? In Yorkshire, Yorkshire, England. Really? It says, BBC has posted footage of Narnia characters on the outer wall of St. Mary's Church in East Yorkshire. Aslan, Tumnus, the White Witch, Reepicheep, Fledge, and Glenstorm are among the 14 characters that have been chosen. These new figures from C.S. Lewis' world are replacing medieval carvings that have been that have crumbled away beyond recognition over the years. Oh, wow. So it's like a legitimate thing. It's not for filming. It's for just the church's beautification. Mm-hmm. That's cool. It's, I'm, surprised they, I'm surprised they chose the White Witch. <laughs> Honestly, that's... Well, I mean, she still isn't like a huge figure in the Narnia mythos. Like, it kind of makes sense. Well, like, everybody... I, whenever they hear the White Witch, they think of Narnia. I, I understand. I understand that. It's just curious that that they're all the uh they're choosing Aslan and Tumnus and Reepicheep and other like I guess no like noble characters which you would mm-hmm. want I guess noble characters on your church, but then they choose the White Witch. So mm-hmm. I wonder if it's like Aslan is attacking the White Witch or something. Yeah, 
that actually is kind of interesting. I don't know. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Oh, I'd love to see some facial sure. images of that. That's super cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll have to post this in the, the show notes uh, for people to check out. Well, great. Taylor, would you like to go ahead and start us off on talking about the background and context of mere Christianity? Mere Christianity is, uh, I guess for starters, it's actually a combination of three books that were uh, originally four series of radio broadcasts. In creating Mere Christianity, Lewis, he basically revives, revised old chapters and then he kind of added new ones. Yes, yeah. J.W. Welch, the, the director of the BBC's religious broadcasting department, found great profit in the problem of pain that Lewis wrote. And wrote a note to thank Lewis and asked him for help with some religious broadcasting. Right. So every Wednesday from 7.45 to 8 p.m. during August of 1941, Lewis gave live talks entitled Right or Wrong, A Clue to the Meaning of the Universe, which would become the first book in Mere Christianity. Yeah, the first set of talks became very popular and flooded Lewis with responses from an adoring and irate public. This feedback led to Lewis going back on air to answer listeners' questions and added a chapter in, in which and added a chapter in, in the book later. It also started Lewis's lifelong correspondent with his fans, which I've heard from what I've read and researched, he was phenomenal at responding to fans letters like either him or his brother warney responded to individually to every single fan letter that he uh he received right i mean it makes sense being who he was and wanting to actually help people with this information it's really cool that he was able to do stuff like that like i thought it was um i remember reading something about it as well about how he was just a really jolly guy you know yeah and he loved talking to people and it makes sense he'd want to reply to everybody that following January and February, he gave a next set of talks, and they would become what's known as What Christians Believe. Yes, the talks remained popular, and because of the success of the newly released uh, screw tape letters, Lewis's publisher was more than happy to publish the broadcast talks as books that year. I'm sure. I'm sure he made a good deal of money off of that. Mm-hmm. All, the, all the same. And uh, in the fall of 1942, the third series of talks were, ironically, honestly, cut down from 15 to 10 minutes. But due to a miscommunication, Lewis had actually prepared for 15 minutes, and then he ended up adding all of the cut material back into the next book, and he added several more chapters. Yes, the the fourth set of talks didn't take place until 1944. The script drafts had a much wider scope originally, and Lewis prepared for the 10-minute talks that he had just done when the BBC was now giving him his original 15. Now, the timing of these talks was actually really important and strictly adhered to by the BBC because due to the technology at the time and the Germany would broadcast propaganda through the English-spoken Lord Haha during any dead air that the BBC had. That's so weird. That so they would just intercept that they would just intercept that 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 broadcast. That's so weird. Yeah, yeah. 
yeah, it's yeah, so bizarre to think about it. And I just, and with our t- technology today, but yeah, the, with the simple radio that they had, yeah, the Germans would have this English person who had sort of defected to the Nazis sort of, yeah, start spewing propaganda in any dead air that the, that they had. Yeah. So yeah, the timing right. of the talks was, was actually really important. Right. I mean, the timing, because of the timing of the talks, I mean, Lewis ended up, he ended up saying that he actually couldn't do all of them live anyway, and that he'd have to record at least some of them. So three of them were recorded. We have a link in the show notes for anyone who wants to actually uh, look into that. It's it, it's it's just look in the show notes. And you'll be able to go where you can listen to it. So now we'll go ahead and give an overview of the text. Yeah, uh, mere Christianity is broken into four sub book. Each chapter and book has a, a special concern, but they they build on each other, going all the way from the beginning, proving that there is a, a reality beyond beyond the material universe, to what Christians believe and how they say to behave, to the the nature of God and, and the Trinity. Right. The first book, titled Right and Wrong as a Clue to the Meaning of the Universe, um, it walks the reader through what is known as the moral law or the law of human nature. And it walks through how a purely material view of the universe doesn't fully describe our full human experience. Yes. Yeah. He emphasizes that people have always across time and location understood the moral law the, the same way. And Lewis says that the outside power that made the universe would not be a discernible fact inside the universe, just the same way an architect wouldn't make himself a fixture in a house. He takes, and also in the book, he also uh, he has a chapter on objections and offers rebuttals to those objections. In the second book, entitled What Christians Believe, Lewis doesn't jump straight to the Christian's understanding of God, but he actually walks through different, uh, quote-unquote, rival conceptions of God. He says that Christians, quote, do not have to believe that all other religions are simply wrong all through. And he continually draws distinctions in the camps until the reader arrives at where Christians sit in relation to other views of God. Yeah, that's every time I read that part, I feel I find that really helpful, just knowing where in relation the different views of God are the same and, and where they differ. I've always found that super helpful. Right. Yeah, Lewis says that what Christians believe is that a... And quote, evil power has made him made himself prince of this world. End quote. But the quote, rightful king has landed. End quote. And has called us to take up his campaign. So, in this book, in the chapter on free will, Lewis gives us the most famous passage of the book, his famous trilemma of Jesus: either being a fool, a demon, or God. He says that Christians believe that Christ's death has, quote, somehow put us right with God. Yeah, Lewis concludes book two with a chapter on our, quote, practical conclusion. We must choose if we will allow ourselves to be made right with God or not. And Lewis discusses the methods God has chosen to spread the, quote, unquote, new life. It's, quote, baptism, belief, 
in that mysterious action which different Christians call by different names, Holy Communion, the Mass, the Lord's Supper, end quote. Right. And I think that that's super interesting, and I think that's something to draw attention to, is the fact that he, um, I don't know, it, the somehow put us right with God. He doesn't go into exactly, like he goes into what he thinks might be true. He goes into what think, what he thinks is most plausible. But in the end, he says, it really doesn't matter how, how it happens. It doesn't matter how it puts us right with God. What we know is that it does do so. Right. That is, yeah. we, we have salvation through Jesus, through his death and through that, that uh, through his resurrection and the forgiveness of sins. And then he talks about the Holy Communion and he talks about the different physical actions. It brings it to something that I don't know, like that. It makes it uh, a little more tangible. Right. It makes it a little more mm-hmm. this just a little bit different from every other religion out there, you know, but yeah, all the same. Lewis, again, he, he goes on to answer some of the most perennial objections to Christianity in this book. Like, uh, why, like why God doesn't just make everything right right now. And, and, and he also addresses the seeming unfairness of Christianity. Yeah, the third book titled Christian Behavior is the longest and discusses how morality is more than just social convention. It also takes on Freud's thinking and philosophy and analyzes the relationship between morality and psychoanalysis. Lewis outlines the what and why behind Christian's belief in sexual ethics, separating the social rule of modesty and the Christian virtue of chastity. And this is something that's also very interesting about this book. He also says the sexual instinct has gone wrong. And to prove his point, he he draws an analogy between food and sex in a very interesting way. It sounds weird, but it works. And it really shows how ridiculous it would be if we gave, if we, like, if we gave food the same kind of exaggerated importance as sex. While the sexual morality chapter was mostly negative, Lewis does admit, he then turns to the positive side, uh, kind of found in Christian marriage. Yes, that chapter on Christian marriage is particularly special to Rachel and I since we used a a large quote of it during our wedding. Yeah, the third book also consists of him analyzing the elements of morality with a distinction between the four cardinal virtues that all civilized people know about, which, which are prudence, temperance, justice, and fortitude, and the three virtues particular to Christianity, which are faith, hope, and charity, or charity, a.k.a. love. Uh, Lewis discusses each of these, quote, theological virtues in greater depths in their, in their own chapters. And in the fourth and last book, entitled Beyond Personality, or First Steps in the Doctrine of the Trinity, Lewis goes further to explain in simpler terms the basics of the Trinity and how that sort of spills over into the Christian's life. He returns to a theme from the second book about how people are rebels and they must choose if they will accept the, quote, good infection. Yeah. Yeah. Lewis explains how people must count the cost because the decision is their whole lives or nothing. Lewis explains that they will not be made merely into nice people but whole new people 
almost like a wholly new species of men. Yeah, so now we'll go ahead and, and talk uh, a little bit about criticisms of and praises of, of the work by others. So yeah, temp- contemporary reviewers of Mere Christianity gave it high praise, saying things like, quote, the author shows himself a master in simple and compelling language. Well, on the other hand, though, George Orwell was not as amused, saying Mere Christianity was, quote, this silly, clever religious book, which goes on the principles not of threatening the unbeliever with hell, but of showing him up as an illogical ass, incapable of clear thought, unaware that everything he says has been said and refuted before, end quote. Yeah. Yeah, the BBC producer who had worked with Lewis on all the talks gave feedback from listeners that, that he had read. And I, th- I think this is uh, an apt description of how people have felt about Lewis then all the way up till today. And uh, the producer said, quote, they obviously either regard you as the cat's whiskers or as beneath contempt, which is interesting and odd, I feel, to do something, but I can't think what, end quote. <laughs> Lewis responded, quote, the two views you report cat's whiskers and beneath contempt aren't very illuminating about me perhaps about my subject matter it is an old story isn't it they either love or hate i love that response by lewis it just is so i i don't know yeah yeah cheeky yeah yeah today the book is still beloved readers have given it a 4.32 out of 5 rating on goodreads with over 300,000 people having rated it or reviewed it. Also, this isn't a criticism of Lewis's work per se, but uh, Bertrand Russell's Why I'm Not a Christian essay and, and other essays he's written about his lack of faith act as sort of like a, a mere atheism. So it's sort of on the opposite spectrum of mere Christianity. Well, mm-hmm. when it comes to mere Christianity and the different right, references in pop culture and stuff, um, Along with the Narnia series, Mere Christianity is Lewis's, like one of Lewis's best known works. It pops up frequently in many lists of the top Christian books. Yeah, I, I was I was looking as I was recent, researching this. One interesting list I saw was a March Madness tournament of Christian books. Really? And yeah, Mere Christianity was in the finals uh, against Confessions by St. Augustine. And uh, I guess for this podcast unfortunately lost uh, to confessions <laughs> right still a good but, yeah, that was that was an interesting list it, it that list though drew an interesting parallel or an interesting uh, connection saying that augustine and lewis are in a lot of ways the same or, or very similar um how for most of their life they grew up non non-believers and then then sort of had like a or converted or had conversion in, in their thirties or uh, I guess 33 to be exact. And then, yeah, wrote extensively after that um, mm. and it had a few other connections, but it was just, just sort of, um, mm. I don't know, just, it was sort of mind blowing to me that, Oh wow. Yeah. They, they share maybe a, a dozen or so like stark similarities. PBS also did a series on Lewis and Freud and, and, they reference Lewis's thoughts in Mere Christianity a lot. Oh, I also learned that the band Sixpence None the Richer 
their name comes from mere Christianity. The, the, where the story of the, the little boy asking his father if he can get a sixpence in order to buy his father a gift. And the father is happy to give it to him even though he is none the richer for it. So what, what were your, your thoughts uh, about it? I mean, I, I don't know. I've read this thing. I've read this is like the fifth or sixth time or something that I've... I think it's the fifth time. Just talking about the moral law because the moral law is what originally brought me to back to faith, you know. So um, mm. I spent a lot of time and focus, a lot of um, a lot of thinking about the stuff that he says, and I and I like the way that I really love the way he puts it together. Right, like I love the way that he like begins this argument talking about the natural law and about how the moral law affects all of us equally, with apart from some mm. um, you know exceptions. Which I, I and his quote his quote is super cool about that because he talks about how just because there are like, mostly everyone's going to know about the moral law, but then there are others that are. I really like this just because of where it took me personally, you know. Yeah. Um, because I told you this before about how I went through a I, man, I specifically told you Thornton about it, like just where like where I was when I really began to consider Christianity as a real faith kind of thing. Um, yeah. And about how this kind of led me out of an atheistic or maybe more agnostic type of view of or worldview. <laughs> so I don't know. I really like I really like how he, he begins it with just something that all of us can understand, and about how he builds mm-hmm. from there of how the Christian faith is more than likely going to apply or at least going to be evident in the everyday man's life. I, I love that. I thought that I, I just I think it's just the most poignant type of writing that lewis does because he's very good at bringing it to the every guy right yeah my thoughts are still the same as ever i think what about yours though i had i've been rambling no 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 not at all yeah well i'm glad you brought up like reading it like again because so this is the second time i've read it the first time i read it was in high school i was like a a freshman or sophomore or something and I was and I was uh, thinking back to what I remembered from that first time because reading it now it feels very fresh. Mm. And what I remember from the first time, or basically my biggest takeaways, or the takeaways or the things that I remember now, were I was just so relieved, not uh, necessarily by his arguments, but that just someone was talking about mm. this. And mm-hmm. and I, I I felt like I was like, why haven't I heard this before? Yeah. And, because I don't know if I, I just I don't know if in church people just assume that you know this or they think it's implied or they they don't know it themselves or they want they don't think or they think that the time is better used elsewhere or or I I, I don't know yeah. what the and I'm speaking very broadly about the, the church with a capital C yes yeah. um. So I just remember thinking like, oh, wow, I'm just glad someone is like breaking it down and also just talking about mere Christianity, Mm. basic Christianity. Mm -hmm. And so so that was that was a big takeaway. And also just how this Lewis or just he believed it and Mm. and how he and and just his his story of uh, converting from atheism to Christianity and so that was, I just remember just, okay, like there's someone out there who has thought about this deeply, mm. who, who can spell it out clearly yeah. and, and just 
so that was and that was uh, came at a very critical point for me just kind of like you when i was just sort of i was going through like spiritual puberty if mm-hmm. you will and so i just remember being like okay there, there's this book that sort of answers my questions or at least asks the same ones that i, I yeah have. exactly right um, i thought that was the coolest thing it's just that now we're understanding christianity from a reasonable standpoint as opposed to you know just what uh i guess what the secular world consider blind faith right like this is mm-hmm. what my family believes so i believe it like i thought i totally agree i totally agree because it's just something it's a totally different perspective and one that really sort of not authenticates but almost vindicates your ideas of like if you grew up in the church you know and mm-hmm. hearing everybody say this is true this is true never knowing why yeah I, it's huge it's just a mind-blowing to really see it in a way where you say oh this is arguable this is yep. true yeah this is, this is really true like, i totally get yeah it. yeah yeah you pop open the hood and then you kind of see how the the mechanics work yeah right i like that i so, like that analogy yeah. Another takeaway of mine was uh, as Rachel and I are searching for a church in our, in our new town. uh, I know Lewis talked about the like four questions to, to ask when you are, he didn't say church shopping, but basically, yeah, when you're looking for, for a denomination or a church Mm -hmm. and I know, yeah. So he asked like, ask what is true is holiness there. Does my conscience move me towards this? Is my reluctance to knock out of pride, taste, or personal dislike? And so I will definitely keep those in mind as Rachel and I search for our church uh, here in the mm-hmm. next couple of weeks. And absolutely, absolutely, I think that is very. I think that's a very healthy, a very healthy approach to at least looking for a church. What are some other things that stood out to you from from book um, two? I do actually like the way that he describes the perfect penitent in chapter four of book two where he goes on saying mm-hmm. about uh, basically about the atonement and about how it might have worked and the theories of his theories of Christ's death and his resurrection, where he goes on to say, Hey, well, yeah. you don't have, you don't necessarily have to like believe that this is exactly how it happened and why it happened this way. You mm. just, for Chris, for you to be a Christian, you have to believe that it is true and that it works. Right. So he goes, so the kind of the analogy that he makes, or I guess the um, uh, comparison that he makes is people before they knew about nutrients, before they knew about vitamins, they knew that eating their dinner is how they would survive. They didn't understand that they were getting all their Mm -hmm. vitamins and minerals and the things necessary to sustain life. All they knew is I eat my dinner and I live, right? So he's saying it's in the same way you need to, you need to look at the atonement as such. It does not. It doesn't really matter exactly how it happened. If you want to look, if you want to look into it, find what you believe. Good. If you don't, you just you need to understand that the atonement works. Yeah, I think that. Yeah, that's that was a great point of Lewis's. Like you said, that you don't necessarily need to know the mm-hmm. inner workings of atonement, and I don't. And who knows if if we'll ever know on, on this side of of life or of heaven that uh, we will and. Yeah, and I, I thought that was just a, a huge load off, I guess, any Christian's mind that, hey, like like Lewis has said, like I, I know the to survive, I need to eat. So it's like, oh, well, oh, you just need to know that the atonement is mm-hmm. there and, and it works. You don't, it's, yeah, like you said, it's not necessary in, for salvation or necessary right. to live like Christ. Yeah, I know the details. And I wish 
Christianity as a whole uh, felt that or understood that because I think there would just be a whole lot more room mm-hmm. for ecumenism. Um, and I think, yeah, it would just it would just create a whole right. lot more bridges if, uh, yeah, if if a lot mm-hmm. more people took that I agree. attitude. I guess speaking of like loads off the Christian's mind, I know in in book or chapter one of book two, I know it was like a when I first read it. Uh, it was like a huge load off my back or off my mind when when Lewis says that like Christians, that they are free to think that some like there's some truth in uh, all religions or that that not that not all religions are wholly mm-hmm. false. Because uh, I know that's that's something I've I've always been super interested in is is other religions and how they think and how they view the world and stuff and. And sometimes I'm like, oh, wow, that's really powerful or that's really insightful or that's really compelling. And um, and I guess, yeah, as we learned in Pilgrim's Regress, when uh, John, the main mm-hmm. character, met history that or Lewis thinks that, yeah, God has spoken to other cultures and religions uh, to sort of like give a, I guess, a uh, I forget the exact imagery, but it's sort of like mm-hmm. a, a fuzzy picture of sorts uh, of of of. Yeah, uh, Christian truth. Yeah, yeah. So I, I just thought that would that was very I guess helpful because I think sometimes Christians take on and, and def- try and defend mm-hmm. too much, or they defend the wrong things, and and you can certainly I think find a lot of common mm-hmm. ground in other religions. Certainly, there's things that there's they differ on and that they disagree on, and as Christians, we, I guess we have to say say at some right. level they're they're mistaken, uh, but I think. The, probably on a percentage basis a majority of the sub you yeah. can yeah and agree I, and on. it kind of comes to a quote i well the last bit of the first paragraph i just turned to it and i remember it actually made a pretty big i really liked it he says quote but of course being a christian does mean thinking that where christianity differs from other religions christianity is right and they are wrong as in arithmetic there is only one right answer to a sum and all other answers are wrong but some of the wrong answers are much nearer being right than the others. I've always thought the, the things that sort of set Christianity apart were a couple of things. Um, one was that Christianity is yeah, the only religion that God, uh, God saves man. Like every other religion, man justifies himself mm-hmm. to God. Um and so that that was always one thing that sort of stood out to me uh, about it. Um, I think something that Lewis taught me that was unique to Christianity was its uh, historical mm-hmm. claims. So I, a lot of other religions have, I guess, historical aspects of them, like, um, like uh, yeah, like the, the Jews certainly have their their historical history and. Um, Islam certainly, uh, or like Muhammad was was a real person, um, but I, I think yeah, history, Christianity's claim, which is unique, is that yeah, like we were talking earlier, Jesus was a historical mm-hmm. figure, uh, like a god or a, a a deity, a divinity that was mm-hmm. historically here on earth. Uh, so I think you know, compared to other religions that that uh, claim to have like a, a special avenue to God or to the divine. They, they don't have any 
historical mm-hmm. claim. So I thought that was yeah. unique. I guess moving on to book three, unless there's something else in book two you you had in mind. What what do you what were well, your thoughts yeah, about no, book I think three? That book two, we didn't exactly cover it, but we covered our favorite points and arguments and such. Um, book mm-hmm. three, well, book three is just really interesting to me specifically. Well, it's interesting to you as well because we are Christians, and I think that he explains a lot of the. Well, when he goes into the uh, cardinal virtues, right? The cardinal virtues versus mm-hmm. the theological virtues. Um, he just mm. describes in great detail what each of them is and how they work and how they were originally meant to work or how they were originally meant to be described, I guess. Um, mm. But really, it's the pride chapter that throws me for a loop every single time I read it because I, it is so, so very, like, strong when i think about because like specifically in my own life and dealing with a lot of the things that i have dealt with spiritually when it comes to my own struggles and things like that a lot of times it comes back to me saying this is my pride right so in chapter eight of Mm -hmm. book three he, he labels it the great sin and he begins to talk about the core sin of all sins it's the one that satan taught humanity and it's the one that caused his fall it is the first and foremost right he even calls that the opposite yeah. of God, I think. And, then, and maybe not in those words, but uh, in a similar idea. And just this chapter, he write, it just it hit me very, very personally in that he's talking about pride. I don't know. Um, because I, well, specifically in my life, because I've been worked. So in, um, in my spiritual walk, dealing with certain struggles and things like that, I, I ran into this, um, this organization known as Proven Men. And they specifically work within yep. working within the church on spiritual or um, sexual integrity. And there, they, yeah. the guy, the guy who wrote it, Joel Hesh, um, his mm-hmm. big idea was saying, it is your pride. It is not, it is not your, it is not mm-hmm. um, the sin in which you are, in which you are partaking and, and violently struggling against. Well, it, it really, it is lust. Right. But it is actually behind that is pride. The lust is there because you are mm. saying, I deserve this. I want to take this. I'm going to take this for me. And I don't want to give anything back. Mm-hmm. Right. And this chapter just kind of slaps you in the face because then you start to realize in your own life, wow, a lot of my motivations for this and for that, it's really my own pride or to put myself above or to put my or to. Not necessarily, not necessarily like high up, but above someone else, right? And I really, I just really, really like that chapter, although it is not exactly a virtue. <laughs> yeah, I, I think yeah, a realization of of your own pride is certainly a fantastic step. And I know I think we've talked about it before is you know one thing about reading Lewis is uh, it has shown me I guess a lot more of my. Uh, things I have been proud about and, and hopefully I've become more mm-hmm. humble in, in the process. Um, but yeah, I think, yeah, that is a, a, a great takeaway mm-hmm. from, from that. chapter. Uh, yeah. And I also, I also like in this chapter, how he also kind of says, uh, well, he says before leaving the subject, I must guard against some possible misunderstanding. So he talks about um, pride and how we use it in the English language and how it actually is, um, may not be some of those things that people would say, oh, you're being proud, right? But he talks about the pleasure in being praised. Mm-hmm. That is not necessarily, that is not pride, right? When it becomes mm-hmm. pride is when you say, oh, how good I must have been to have pleased this person, right? What about you? 
what's your favorite part about this whole chapter where he describes, you know, the four the four cardinal virtues being what are they? Prudence, temperance, justice, fortitude. Yeah. Fortitude. And then the three theological, yeah. which are faith, hope, and love. Right. So just kind of trying to give an overview, I guess, for the listeners. Eh. What was your favorite? What was your favorite yeah. part of this? Well, yeah, I think yeah for the for the virtues, yeah, the the four cardinal virtues. I I, I liked how he sort of divided it up, and because I think sometimes Christians try to claim those four cardinal virtues as, as part of the faith, and I think having a Christian faith certainly helps uh, mm-hmm. develop those. And but I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't think those are wholly uh, beholden or wholly owned right. by the Christian faith. And so I, I liked how he sort of set those apart. But then on, on the flip side, he sort of said, yeah, like faith, hope, and love, which I forget where the, that is in the Bible. Faith, hope, like and the, charity, the greatest of these is uh, charity. Yeah, love. Yeah, I forget what Bible that is. I think, um, but anyway, yeah, so how those are unique to uh, Christianity. And that that reminded me of, of something that I, I I saw or realized when I was reading the Quran mm-hmm. a couple of years ago um, was that that was something that struck me that throughout the entire Quran and, and, and I'll preface it like it might have been my translation and and it was like the, the Quran's a big book so maybe I overlooked some parts um, but the Quran was filled with a lot of mm. loving things but it never mentioned love specifically and. And so, so yeah. If there's any listeners out there who know I'm wrong, please please let me know. Uh, but yeah, that I I thought that was interesting. That how love seems to be a unique Christian virtue, um, and I think that's that's pretty powerful. So, book four of Near Christianity. Mm-hmm. Book were, four, big book. I I really enjoyed this book. I really enjoyed. Me. The middle, middle to end. Yeah, yeah. What, what, what about it? Uh, stuck out to you? This whole okay. book four, to me, it's to me, yes, it is written to the Christian. It's supposed to give us understanding on how God, in not improves us, but transforms us, renews our minds. You know, in Romans yeah. twelve, and I think that it's really good for a Christian to read this. Mm-hmm. I also think that it plays into his. I think what his secondary motive is is to inform non-believers who are just curious or maybe to tip the scale in in their in their opinions of christianity right because Mm -hmm. i was just sitting there thinking like if i was someone who did not believe in christ maybe even someone who had the type of animosity against them right Mm -hmm. this i feel like this is something that you can read and maybe get a better understanding of what's happening in their maybe what's happening in their lives Maybe if they've had a yeah. bad experience with a Christian and and they, it's just this awful, bitter person, you know, but then they go to read this and they start talking about how, and he starts talking about how, like, well, at the same time, not all Christians are like that. A lot of Christians, they're struggling with this. They're struggling with this sort of renewal process, and it's different mm-hmm. for everybody and it's going to show up differently in everybody. Right. And just because one Christian is this way, that doesn't mean that all Christians are in that same spot. Most of them are actually they're moving forward in some way, shape or form into what Christ has for them. And this is what it might look like, you know, mm-hmm. like, I don't know. I just thought, I just, I was reading it. I thought it was just so interesting about how it may or may, it may or may not actually be somebody, something really helpful. I don't know. 
we've discussed this topic before, so I feel like it's a little redundant. But I just, that struck me, is all. This is the quote. He goes, and yet, this is the other and equally important side of it. This helper who will in the long run be satisfied with nothing less than absolute perfection will also be delighted with the first feeble stumbling effort you make tomorrow to do the simplest duty. As a great Christian writer, parentheses, George McDonald, pointed out, every father is pleased at the baby's first attempt to walk. No father would be satisfied with anything less than a firm, free, manly walk and a grown-up son. In the same way, he, McDonald, said, God is easy to please, but hard to satisfy. That, I don't know, that hit me and it got me emotional for a second. I was like, man, that's so (laughs) true. Like, that's how he sees it. That's how he wants us to be as a son views it or as a father views his children. You know, like mm-hmm. he's so proud of us at that at that first really hard, I guess, but not so hard step. Right. Mm-hmm. And he's proud of us, but he expects more and he's going to do that in us. You know, it's just it's I don't know. To me, that was like a, a really, a really cool expression of hope that I see in what he's writing. Yeah, and I think. Yeah, I totally agree. That is a, a wonderful expression of by George McDonald. And I think Lewis has done a great job just sort of sketching out sort of the, I guess, the the ultimate plan of Christianity or the ultimate plan of God. And the and like you said, just the hope that, that uh, Christians have to not only just like go to heaven, like we talked about it in the problem of pain, but just sort of hope for renewal, hope for becoming a, uh, a more Christ-like person. Mm. Um and th- yeah, that that uh, is sort of my one of my big takeaways uh, related to what you're saying is yeah. In book four, yeah, Lewis has been talking more, or the book four theologically he's explaining and talking about the Trinity, mm-hmm. and and I, uh, for better or for worse, I know a lot of the churches I've been to throughout my life they haven't really preached or taught. Like yeah, they haven't delved about... into the whole subject, right? Yeah. So yeah. Mm-hmm. So reading this was super helpful because it like sort of reminded me like why the Trinity is so theologically important. Mm-hmm. It is like a community within God. Mm. Uh, it's like the three persons are one God, and it's like the whole community between the uh, or communion between the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit mm. is what God is sort of wanting us. My understanding is to want us bring us into mm-hmm. or or. A, or I just share with us. And, and so, yes, yeah, like, but in order for us, him to share that with us, he, like we have to become lovable mm. um, or, or more lovable rather. Uh, and, and I, and I, and I, and I'm sort of hesitating and I'm, and I'm sort of stumbling over myself because I just, this whole doctrine of the Trinity is just something I just, I, I feel like I need to, or I believe I need to learn a lot more mm-hmm. about. And so I'm like, I'm scared of like stepping on a, I guess uh, a heretical minefield. Uh, <laughs> yeah, or, definitely. Or, or the whole book four just gave me a whole lot more hope and a whole lot more like, okay, like th- this is the point, like th- this is the the meaning of life, if you will. But mm. uh, yeah, I know book three was great because it just sort of um, it's it was talking about Christian behavior and just sort of talking about I don't know the do's and don'ts, if you right. will. I know that that has a lot of negative connotations. Um, but then book four, if book three was like, if you want to call it the do's and don'ts, it seems like book four was like 
this is the purpose behind it all. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I and, wholly agree. Yeah. Yeah. So, and yeah. And so, yeah, chapter nine, like you were saying, like, uh, he sort of says like, Hey, Lewis is sort of saying like, yeah, you need to count the cost. Cause yeah, if, even if you got the, the do's and don'ts, right. That, that that's not the end mm-hmm. of it. Um, there, there's more to it, but it, but it's all, it, it sort of, yeah, leads up to like what, uh, chapter 11, which is what Lewis titled the new men, mm. uh, where, yeah, Christ came to, to create new men, not as in the gender, but just, uh, as in humanity, mm-hmm. the next um, step in evolution, just, right? Yeah. Which it, it's funny because he, he, he was, he referred to or, or alluded to, to Nietzsche mm. in, and I know we've talked a little bit about Nietzsche and right. Um, yeah, I'm, I've, I've, yeah, I've read. Yeah. Things. Cause that's in your personal yeah. reading. Are you been reading a, a little, a, a good amount of Nietzsche? Yeah. Yeah. As a sort of, as a companion uh, to Lewis, right. uh, just to just sort of have like the, a little, uh, a Socratic debate within my own mind. Mm. Um, and yeah, Nietzsche's whole thing or his, his only like real true, like original idea, if you will, is is the the superman or the or the ubermensch in german mm. and 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 uh nietzsche was like yeah humanity needs to like basically like put its whole aim towards the next step in evolution it needs to sort of completely like think about uh bringing about the superman or preparing for the super right and, and wasn't um, his wasn't his kind of path to that kind of discarding religion he was certainly anti uh christianity and and um i i guess I, i'll venture to say anti-religion mm-hmm. um but yeah but yeah he so yeah in contrast to that lewis is saying like oh like christians believe that the new man or the new if you want to call it superman has already yeah. come and came in christ and and we are called as christians to put on christ and to become more like christ so like and Lewis was saying, yeah, the next step in evolution will probably be a spiritual evolution. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I thought that was interesting, uh, uh, an interesting, I guess, parody or uh, an interesting um, repurposing of, of Nietzsche's mm. thought. Very aptly put as well. Cool. Awesome. Well, mm. Taylor, this so I'm, I'm excited for this game and for you, yeah, this episode's game, we are going to play Christian denomination or not. Okay. Interesting. Name. Yeah. So since the, we were reading mere Christianity, I thought, Hey, let's, let's, let me quiz Taylor on his knowledge of the, I guess some of the Christian differences or some of the different uh, movements and denominations within Christianity. Oh boy. Uh, this, so, this will be interesting. I'm not sure if I'll be able to keep up. Yeah. So yeah, similar to our Lewis or Churchill quote, I will give you a a movement or a denomination, and you have to tell me if it's if it's a real one or uh, a real one or not. Okay. Gotcha. The Pentecostal Holiness Movement. Pentecostal Holiness Movement. Okay. And I and I'm I'm basically guessing if it's if it's real or not. Correct. Okay. Okay. Pentecostal holiness movement. Uh, let's see. Pentecostal. I'm going to jump on a limb and say that is true. Awesome. You're right. Ding, ding, hey. ding, ding, ding. Yep. So and I got these from the list of Christian denominations on Wikipedia page. Uh, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, the Pentecostal <laughs> holiness movement 
it is an outgrowth of the Wesleyan and Quaker teachings. Oh my gosh. So it's sort of, yeah. So it's sort of a, like the, the, the church of God, uh, uh, holiness, uh, the church of Christ holiness. And those are some of the particular denominations within the movement. Mm, very so, interesting. Okay. Yeah. So number two, so you're one for one. All right. And I think, it. yeah, you were, you're, yeah, you were four for five with the Winston Churchill or Lewis quote. So let's see if you can uh, do as well this time. Let's see. Let's see. I'm gonna, I'm gonna see if I can get on, keep on that percentage. There you go. So yeah. So number two, the South American sacrament sect. The South American sacrament sect. Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh, I do like the little little alliteration it's got going on there. A little bit of a mm-hmm. little bit of something something there in the name. The South American. Hmm. All right, say it one more time. Let me get a feel for it. The South American sacrament sect. That is true. And no! What? I'm sorry. Did yeah. you make it up? Yeah, I just made that up. Darn it. Yeah, I, I should have known. I should have known. It was corny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I will, I will say, yeah, like, uh, trying to, like, make up a denomination is much harder than it sounds. It certainly sounds um, like it. Certainly yeah. sounds interesting. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I did have fun thinking about that. I was like, "Oh man, that does sound kind of real." Like, what, what would they believe? Uh, And I started going a deep rabbit hole of what this fictional denomination. (laughs) Oh Lord, I can only imagine the essay you wrote in your mind about it. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. Okay, number three. Payante. Payante. Yeah. Payante. Like a religion with like. That's just goes off on peyote or something. That's a uh, peyante. No, these, these are these are like these are Christian denominations, or I guess made up Christian denominations. Hmm. I'm yeah, gonna so go. I'm gonna. Uh, I'm gonna go with a solid true on this one. You are right. Ding 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 ding. I knew it. So, so peyante is is more simply known as the Ethiopian Eritrean Evangelicalism. And they're a group of indigenous Protestants, uh, indigenous Eastern Christians, uh, Baptists, Lutherans, Pentecostals, Mennonites, etc. denominations. And they are in full communion with each other, apparently. And, uh, and they also believe that they are the restoration of the original Ethiopian Christianity. So interesting. That's so it is cool. Very- I've never heard of that in my life. It is. With it, a, well, but I, I had neither. Yeah. An and too. I think it's, and it's, uh, it's, I think it's fascinating how like Protestant, Eastern, Christian, Baptist, Lutheran, et cetera, like they're all in full communion with each other. Wow. Um, where here in America, all those denominations are, are very, uh, they're not, we'll, we'll just say they're not in full communion with each other. Right. Okay. So, so you are two for three. Okay. Number four, Bapticostal. Bapticostal. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get, I'm going to say. Denomination or movement? I'm gonna say that's a fake. And no, it's it, it yeah it's it is what? a movement by some yeah it's a movement by some Baptist churches to adopt some elements of the Pentecostal movement. What? I don't believe it. Yeah, like no. yeah, like that's, I I got that from Wikipedia, so I guess it <laughs> is very possible. I just made that up, but that that is uh, it has its own link and everything to to all the details. Oh, well, I'm not doing that great on this one. This one's harder. 
Well, you're you're fifty fifty. We'll see if you can stay above five hundred. This uh, with the the last one. All right, all right. Let's get it. Okay. The refrained movement. The refrained movement. Mm. The refrained movement. It has a nice sound to it. There's no alliteration, so that's a little little clue. <laughs> the refrained movement. Uh, I don't want to get another one wrong. The refrained movement. <laughs> I'm tempted to just Google it, but that's I, I can't. That's against my integrity. The refrained movement. The very Lewis of you. Oh, thank you. I like to think of myself as a virtuous man. Uh, <laughs> the refrained You learned well. You learned well from your Christianity. Oh, I hope Lewis would be proud. All right, my guess. I'm going to say it's real. Why? No! Day. That, was, that was a valiant effort. Yeah, I just I made that up based off the reform movement. I just said, uh, yeah, let me just change one, a couple words or a couple letters. So yeah, the reframed movement is fake. purely Thanks. born from my imagination. Mm. I even thought to myself, like that sounds like something he made up. But then I thought to myself, <laughs> but maybe that's why he's 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 double he's he's re- he's reverse yeah. psychologying me. Yeah, yeah, a little little sneaky sneak. Not my best. Not my you best. Should with your first instinct. You should have gone with your first instinct. Well, I guess you can't always win them. But I guess two for five. Uh, we'll just have to keep that in mind for next time. All right. So. Or not. It's <laughs> fine. Or not. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. You do not want to remember this. But I, yeah, you, you <laughs> learned something about Christian denominations. That's right. And how, how many there are and how good you are at making them up. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was, yeah, going to the Wikipedia page, I was overwhelmed by the plethora of different denominations. And, and even within the, even within the movements, there were like several different denominations. Like that first one, Pentecostal Holiness Movement, had like three or four different denominations within them. Wow. So, yeah, so it, it's all, it's almost amazing that that many denominations to even agree on enough to write a book about. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, good stuff. Well, listener, thank you for joining us on this leg of our journey and endearing our, I guess, cheesy jokes and cheesy games. <laughs> yeah, we really enjoyed this book all the same. And we hope that you have, can, will enjoy reading it too. We're going to probably take a break for the Christmas holiday. And in the new year, we're going to try and pick up with Lewis's Miracles. Yes, it would be quite the miracle if yeah, if we can limp into <laughs> twenty twenty one society. That was good. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm I'm looking forward to it too, brother man. And if any of you all listeners want to connect with us, we're on Twitter at Mir C S Lewis. Thanks, Dan, and we'll see you all next time. Later, y'all.